is the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. For Thursday, November 21st, 2019, I'm your host, Kevin McGuire. Happy to be with you here, as always, talking some Penn State football. We do these podcasts every Monday through Friday, so make sure you're subscribed so you don't ever miss a single episode on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it's iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, whatever you use to listen to podcasts, make sure you're subscribed, and then leave a rating, leave a review. We appreciate the feedback. We want to know what we're doing right, what we can improve upon moving forward. And, of course, it does help support the show and grow the show on those various podcasting platforms. So we appreciate any support you can lend us in that effort as well. We also want you to be a part of the show, so make sure you follow us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. Like our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany. And we have a lot of stuff to get into today. It's a special edition with the crossover episode with our friends from Locked On Buckeyes. We'll be talking to Kyle Lamb, the host of the Locked On Buckeyes podcast, talking some Penn State, Ohio State, in a bunch of today's show. We'll also touch on whether or not Noah Kane is going to begin playing again this weekend. It's a big question heading into this week's game. So with all that on the table today, let's not waste any more time. Let's get into it with today's episode of the podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. Let's get started. One of the early season rising stars on this Penn State offense was certainly running back Noah Kane, who had some really good performances early on in the year. Looked very encouraging for his outlook going throughout the season. And it looked like early on he was going to be the guy that was going to be carrying the football the majority of the time. Then he got a little banged up and Journey Brown has taken over that lead as at the, at the running back position. And it's been a big question of whether or not Noah Kane was going to be available soon again to play uh, for the Nittany Lions. And as of the time I'm recording this, the official word is from James Franklin that Noah Kane's going to be a game time decision for this weekend against Ohio State. I think there's a probably a decent chance that we're going to see Noah Kane back on the field this weekend for a number of reasons. First of all, this is the game of the season for Penn State. This is a game that they absolutely have to win if they want to compete for the Big Ten Championship. Not even talking about the college football playoff because I think that's a completely out of the question until Penn State plays for and potentially wins the Big Ten Championship. So we'll enter that playoff conversation should we be able to reach that point. Obviously, the first goal is to win the Big Ten Championship. And to do that, you have to win the Big Ten East. So I think given the stakes that this game carries and the fact that Noah Kane can help uh, add some flexibility to the offense a little bit by maybe doing a couple things that Journey Brown can't do and, and vice versa, using them both to kind of mix things up on the ground, I think would be very key against a very aggressive Ohio State defensive front. So uh, I'm not saying that Noah Kane is going to be a difference maker in this game by any stretch of the imagination. However... I do think it's always a plus to have more healthy running backs that can do some damage. We've seen him with some really good runs this season. I think that would be absolutely a benefit if they can get him on the field. Now, if there is some hesitation, uh, I can understand you don't want to risk any further injury. So if there is a, a couple negative developments between now and when that game starts, you obviously don't want to play him. There are bigger things in life than this football game. As big as this football game is, there are certainly more pressing issues as far as long-term health concerns may be. Now, I don't know the severity of this Noah Kane injury. James Franklin doesn't typically talk about injuries, but he did say that Noah Kane is going to be a game-time decision for this weekend's game. So 
I tend to think that that's probably a positive development. We he, we heard Franklin say last week that uh, when asked about Noah Kane, if they needed to use him for whatever reason, they could have used him and they probably would have used him. I forget if he said could or would, but either way, that sounded a little bit encouraging to me. And I can understand you know, trying to get Noah Kane rested up, making sure he's as healthy as possible for what is absolutely the biggest game of the season. I can tend to understand some of the logic there with the player management. You want to be extra careful, especially with some key players. And I think Noah Kane has uh, developed quickly into being one of those key players. And I think if he comes back healthy, he would certainly help this offense uh, in this game against Ohio State and moving forward. The other big question, of course, is whether or not KJ Hamler is going to play. Hamler, obviously, again, Franklin doesn't really discuss injuries very often or in much detail. But I think given the fact that he was pulled out of the game with a little bit of a head issue and going through concussion issues, that is going to be um, much more hesitant for me to say that we're going to see K.J. Hamler. Obviously, if K.J. Hamler is on the field, that makes the offense that much better. And they could really benefit from having a guy that can stretch the field with his kind of a speed if he is available, I'm, again, head issues, I'm not messing around with these. If there's a slight issue with the, the head concern, I'm not putting that player on the field. I don't care how good he is, you know, I'm not going to risk that, especially at the college level. I know uh, we say all these things about college players, they should be paid and everything, but you know, bottom line is they're not being paid. I'm not going to send a player out there and risk his overall health for a long-term uh, future uh, if that means that he's going to have to play earlier than he probably should be. So if I'm Franklin, I'm probably much more hesitant to put Hamler out there on the field unless he is absolutely cleared on all levels and checks off all the boxes that he needs to be able to get on the field, supposing that this is a head injury. I, again, don't know the severity of it, and I don't know what's going to happen here, but uh, I would be a little bit more reluctant to say we'll see KJ Hamler, although it would really benefit Penn State if he is capable of being out there. And the reason I say that is because you look at last year's game, Penn State was backed up against uh, pretty much against their own goal line. And a short little pass to KJ Hamler, he turns on the Jets, and it is a 90-something yard touchdown. So that's the kind of plays that they're going to need out of their offense. And not many players on this team are capable of giving them that kind of a spark the way that KJ Hamler is. So if he's healthy, get him out there, let him see what he can do. And of course, if Noah Kane is available, that's even better for this Penn State offense because they're going to need all the help they can get. They're up against a juggernaut this weekend. And speaking of which, coming up in our next segment, we're going to talk to Kyle Lamb, the host of the Locked On Buckeyes podcast. We're going to ask him some questions about Ohio State to their season to this point and some of their key playmakers that we already know about. But let's get his perspective on where kind of team Penn State is taking on this weekend in Ohio Stadium. It's going to be a big one, and we're going to get Kyle's take on the Buckeyes coming up in our next segment. Please welcome a guest to the podcast today over from our friends at Locked On Buckeyes. It's Kyle Lamb, the host of the Locked On Buckeyes podcast on the podcast, Locked On Podcast Network. He also runs the Unscripted Ohio Podcast Network. Kyle, good to talk to you, my friend. How are you today? Yeah, it's great to be with you, Kevin. This is an exciting week. Uh, actually, it's probably an exciting week for everybody in college football, for us especially, but because there is no other big time games going on i think the attention of the entire country is going to be on this one that, that we're going to be talking about 
And you know what? Honestly, deservingly so. I mean, this is a game that is worth all the hype uh, because of all the stakes that are obviously at, <laughs> at large here for Penn State and Ohio State. And this is, I think, the game of the year in the Big Ten. I don't know if I necessarily envisioned it being the game of the year in the Big Ten at the beginning of the season, but it has certainly played into what amounts to being that kind of a atmosphere of a game, right? I know you're going to be asking me the questions about Ohio State here in a second, but I got a question for you. Sure. I've been, I've been saying to all of my followers on Twitter, I think this will fall in as the second most watched game in the regular season behind LSU-Bama. Uh, do you, What do you make of that? Do you think it'll be second? Do you think it has a chance to pass Bama-LSU because of the noon slot and, and all the attention it's getting? I would guess it's a safe bet to be number two, and I think part of it's the noon time slot, although – I think Fox has actually been doing pretty well with the noon uh, kickoffs with these big games. So I don't know if that necessarily hurts them. Uh, but and we all know that, you know, people tune in to watch Ohio State. People tune in to watch Penn State. You look at the numbers historically, both programs draw very well with the TV ratings. So there's a very strong case to be made here. And I think with uh, all the fact that we have a division title that's up for grabs, uh, very much, very likely a spot in the college football playoff could very well be on the line here. Uh, there's a lot to this game. And I think just the fact that it is Penn State and Ohio State, I think it's got a real strong chance to be a solid number two. I don't know if it's going to clip LSU-Alabama, though, uh, but we'll see. I think it could be pretty close. Yeah, somebody mentioned a good point. It also will depend on the score because if the second that half, too. if that it's too. close, then there is a lot of reasons for more people to come over and watch the rest of the game, whereas if it's a blowout, then people are obviously going to tune it out. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree with that. And that brings me to my first question, Kyle. Ohio State's just been dominating everybody this season. Is there anything to be said about strength of schedule? Because I actually think it's a little bit better than I originally envisioned uh, when I went back and looked at the numbers. I, you know, somebody threw out there the uh, Ohio State strength of schedule was pretty strong. And I kind of you know, scratched my head. I was like, really? And then I went back and looked at it. They played, they played some good teams along the way. So, where are we with Ohio State with just how dominant this team is compared to years past? Yeah, so Kevin, until they play, until LSU played Bama and Ohio State had the last two weeks against Maryland and Rutgers, up until that point, Ohio State's strength of schedule was actually better than LSU's in almost every metric I'd seen. It, it, it's, not, it's not great at the top, but what, what's really happening here is the Indianas of the world, the Wisconsins, the Cincinnati's, they're just disposing of these teams. And you can say Florida and Auburn are better than Wisconsin, Indiana. And I think that's a fair statement. But Ohio State beat Wisconsin and Indiana by like 70 or 80 points combined, whereas LSU beat Florida and Auburn by 13 points or 17 points. So it, it's the way they're beating decent teams that has really been impressive to watch. And I, I, I'm saying this completely objective. I, I've grown, around, grown up watching Ohio State football since the late 80s. I, it's the most dominant Ohio State team I've seen in my lifetime, bar none. They're just, I, you know, they have no discernible weaknesses. There are areas that maybe could be a little bit better, but there's no single way that I would say, yeah, that's the way they're going to be exploited by, uh, you know, a Penn State or an LSU or Michigan. If, if somebody beats them, it's going to have to be, they're just going to have to play a better game. I uh, could not agree with that more. I, I've been saying this for a while now. This, this Ohio State team, from everything that I've seen this season, 
they are really ridiculously good in so many different areas. That's what makes it so difficult for a team like Penn State to go into the horseshoe and you know not only try to win a game but just be competitive. And that's kind of my lukewarm take on this game because I just I don't have a good feeling for it as far as Penn State's concerned because of everything I've seen from Ohio State. But let's talk about some of the key players for Ohio State. A lot of people already know these names. I'm going to throw the three names out there: Justin Fields, J.K. Dobbins, and of course Chase Young, who's going to be returning from suspension this week. Tell me, which one of those three guys has the best shot to win the Heisman or which one should win the Heisman if it's going to be a low Ohio State player this year behind Joe Burrow maybe at LSU? Well, for most of the year, people were saying Justin Fields and then finally Chase Young, especially after that four-sack, four-tackle-for-loss performance against Wisconsin, Chase Young finally was, was being catapulted into the discussion for the Heisman and people were starting to pick up on the fact, hey, this guy's really good and maybe he deserves consideration. But then the two-game suspension happened He probably doesn't have a chance. I would say Fields will definitely be in New York for sure. I think Chase still has a chance to be in New York as well, but I think we all agree Joe Burrow, barring something really unforeseen, probably has it locked up. That, that's got to be kind of interesting, too, because Joe Burrow was a former Buckeye, right? So yeah, <laughs> it's all kind of funny how this is. You know, we could see worlds colliding here in the playoff, which would be so many uh, stories to follow there. But, you know, that's another, that's another story for another time. We're talking about Ohio State and Penn State. Uh, let me get back to Chase Young, though, real quick, because you mentioned the, the two-game suspension. You know, say what you will about whether he should have been spinning or not. That's not the issue at this point. But just how angry is he going to be when he takes the field? How hungry is he going to be against this Penn State offensive line? It was funny you asked that because when Ohio State announced he was not going to travel with the team to Rutgers, they, they actually said in the statement that he was going to stay back and prepare for Penn State. And it was just such a funny, ominous way of saying it. Like, oh, here's motivated Chase Young. And Ohio State fans were chomping at the bit at the thoughts of that. So... I think he's going to be really angry. Uh, the interesting story is where did the quote-unquote snitch come from? I'd still like to know that. I know it's probably never going to be known for sure. All we know from Ohio State is it was an anonymous letter. But right. I, would, I would be interested in the backstory as to where that came from, who, who ratted him out. Maybe there will be a 30 for 30 about it someday. Yeah, <laughs> I would be very interested to see how stuff like that happens. Not just this particular case with Chase Young, but you know, there are snitches all over the world of college football. So I'd be very curious to hear more about those stories that go down. Uh, interesting note, uh, I mentioned uh, Joe Burrow, of course, the former Buckeye, but of course, Justin Fields is a former Penn State commit. So now he gets a chance to go against Penn State uh, early in his college career, and he's probably going to get a chance to do it another one or two times. So that'll be a pretty interesting story to follow, don't you think? Yeah, he's, he's way ahead of, I think, where most Ohio State fans envisioned him at the start of the year. I think they all were excited about his potential. Maybe they thought at the end of the year he would start to come forward and play really well. But most likely, I think most realistically, people thought it would be next year they would be getting this type of Justin Fields. But he has been way ahead of schedule, and it's, it's crazy how good he has been this year. 41 total touchdowns, only one interception almost 70% completion percentage, and then makes all the plays with his, with his legs as well, which is something Dwayne Haskins couldn't do last year. So it, it's been really a treat to watch him grow throughout the year. I do have a number of other things I want to get into, but we can do that in the second segment. But I do want to mention, of course, uh, this is the first year with Urban Meyer, uh, not as the head coach. He's doing the broadcasting booth now, or, or broadcasting studio. And Ryan Day is uh, taking over the helm 
And to me, it looks like it has been a very smooth transition, and it's not just because they've been winning games, but it just feels like uh, he was the right guy for the job uh, following Urban Meyer. Uh, I would guess you have to agree with that at this point, correct? Yeah, there was maybe some question as to how he would handle some of the day-to-day stuff compared to how Urban handled it. He's kind of taken on some of Urban's traditions, but expanded or changed some of them as well. I, I, you know, it's way too early to be saying, yeah, Ryan Day is a good, as good or better coach than Urban. But I will say this, Day for this team, what, what this team needed at this time, he's been absolutely perfect. I think not only in personality and character and leadership, but some of the individual day-to-day coaching, you know, coaching things that they do as well as in-game adjustments. It's, he's, he's, done, he's put his stamp on the program really quickly, and it's been perfect for what they needed. I've got one last question for you, also relating to the coaching staff. Of course, Larry Johnson continues to be doing some tremendous work on that defensive line. I still think that's a, that's a hire that or a hire that Ohio State made under Urban Meyer that you know, Penn State still wishes never happened because he was doing a really good job at Penn State. He has not skipped a beat there either. Yeah, he's done a tremendous job. This year especially, it, it just goes to show how well he's done because of the depth. They've, had, they've missed so many games on the outside position at the edge, from the edge rushers between Chase Young's two-game suspension, Jonathan Cooper's missed most of the year, Tyreek Smith, a second team, has missed, I think, four games, Tyler Friday, a guy that they wanted to be on the two deep, has missed five games. They have been ravaged with in, uh, injuries at the defensive end position, and they just keep coming up with more guys stepping up and making plays. So it really is his mark for him to coach that well, to have that kind of depth and, and guys making producing from game to game with all the injuries they've had. Well, Kyle, I've got a couple other things, but I'm going to save it for right now. Uh, I do want to thank you for hopping on and answering some questions about Ohio State. Stick around. We'll do our little joint segment uh, coming up in the next segment. Uh, and, but I also want to make sure people that are following you guys and hearing what you have to say about the Buckeyes, check out the Locked On Buckeyes podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. You guys do it every day, right? So <laughs> right. there's lots of stuff to get into this week. So if you're looking for an opposing viewpoint, check out the Locked On Buckeyes podcast with uh, my friend Kyle Lamb. You can follow him on Twitter at KYLAM8. Kyle, anything else you want to plug before I let you go here? No, man, I appreciate it. Let's, uh, we'll get into the second segment. we got a lot more to talk about. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You sure do. Stick around, and we'll talk some more Penn State, Ohio State coming up in the next segment. But real quick, guys, let me talk to you about DoorDash. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. Listening on the go? If you can't visit DoorDash right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. We are back now. Locked On Nittany Lions and Locked On Buckeyes collaborating here for a, an extra segment talking about the big game of the week, Ohio State, Penn State, a top 10 showdown in the shoe. Kevin, this is amazing because we have not just Fox covering this with the big noon kickoff, but we've got ESPN College Game Day that's going to be in Columbus. BTN Tailgate is going to be in Columbus. The whole world is, is watching this game. It, it's it's the, the showdown that we've been hoping for all season. Big 10 East is on the line. Not much more you can ask for here. No, and it's really not. And I kind of joked on Twitter the other night to say, I'm surprised that the SEC Nation show isn't popping up to Columbus too. Because, you know, why not? You know, they, they want to be there. They want to see what's going on. Uh, I, I, think it's, I think it's great 
that we're getting all this attention on this game. And, you know, not too surprisingly, because there is a lot at stake here. You know, we've, we've already discussed about the, the strengths that Ohio State has, what Penn State has to offer. But let's get down to the nitty gritty here. The Big Ten East is very much on the line here because I know there's the possibility of a three-way tie that Michigan comes back into the picture. But for all intents and purposes, if Ohio State wins, they're going to win this division, right? And I think they, they clinch it that day, right? Is that, yeah, is, is Ohio that State, yeah, that's right. If Ohio right. State wins, they clinch. If Penn State wins, they still have to technically ho-hum beat Rutgers. Yeah, um, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's like If Penn State wins this game at Ohio State, they're winning the division. Right. Because as I've always been saying, Everybody beats Rutgers. So, I mean, that's, that's why I'm saying this division is basically going to be decided this Saturday, this Saturday afternoon. Yeah, people in Columbus were freaking out because Ohio State only beat Rutgers by 35, which was 17 less than the spread expected. So, uh, and that was Ohio State basically being as vanilla as possible and not being real sharp. Right. Well, I mean, Rutgers did score 21 points on Ohio State. So, you know, maybe, maybe it's time to push those panic buttons, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. So I, I want to ask you uh, something. So if Ohio State wins, as we talked about, we know Ohio State is going to the Big Ten, uh, Big Ten championship game in Indianapolis. If Penn State wins, we know they'll probably be there as well. Now, Ohio State, if they keep winning, they're going to be in the college football playoff. Penn State, I think, if they beat Ohio State and win out, probably will get there as well. But I'm curious, Kevin, what happens in this scenario that Ohio State loses to Penn State and they're just kind of hanging there with one loss? Do you think that there's still a path for them to get in? I would assume that they'd still be ahead of Bama or some of those other one-loss teams, but I'm curious your perspective on that. Yeah, I think we're opening the door to a possible two Big Ten team college football playoff. And I know – you know, there's probably a lot that still has to happen. First of all, Penn State beating Ohio State, I would consider a lot has to happen. Uh, but regardless of the fact, if Penn State does win this weekend, like you said, I think both teams are going to win the remaining games because Penn State will be Rutgers. I think Penn State would take care of business in the Big Ten championship game against Wisconsin or maybe a rematch against Minnesota. I think that they would be in under those conditions. And Ohio State, you know, I, if they lose this weekend, I don't see them falling very far. Uh, because I think this committee has a lot of respect for Penn State. We've seen that. They've explained that the last couple of weeks with these rankings. Uh, they think very highly of Penn State uh, compared to some of the other teams that are out there. Even though they're hanging down there at number eight, I think that they should be worthy of being higher than maybe Utah, maybe even Oregon, I think, just based on the top 25 wins. But you know, Penn State's got the body of work. If they win out, I think they'll be in. Ohio State's a big question to me because I'm not going to say that it's automatic that a one-loss Ohio State team would be in, but I certainly feel they would be much more deserving of being in compared to Alabama. Uh, I don't think, uh, obviously, if Georgia loses the SEC title game, that certainly helps too. Uh, So I think there are some things that are in the cards here that could easily move Ohio State into a position to be in that top four at the end of the year if they were to lose this weekend. Because let's keep in mind, that would mean that they're going to beat Michigan next week. Uh, and Michigan is climbing those rankings too. So Michigan's looking, been looking pretty good, and they're climbing back into the good graces of the committee. So that would ultimately help Ohio State right at the end of the year. You know, I thought it was subtle, but Kevin, it also was a good sign for both Penn State and Ohio State with their national championship aspirations that Penn State was still ahead of Minnesota this week because the committee to me was saying, we value Penn State's strength of schedule. We value those wins. To me, that is a good sign going forward for whichever team wins this game. It's going to help the other one with the strength of schedule argument in the event it comes down to a one-loss situation. 
Yeah, Kyle, I've been saying the last couple of weeks on the, on the Locked On the Alliance podcast that if you're a Penn State fan, you want Iowa to keep winning games. You want Michigan to keep winning games because they're hanging around in the top 20 easily. And the more that they win, the better. I know Iowa took a step back against Wisconsin. That game actually would have helped Penn State a little bit more because it would have knocked Ohio State's best win, Wisconsin, with another loss. But either way, you know, Wisconsin and Iowa are going to be pretty decent the rest of the year. So obviously, if Iowa climbs into the top 15, which I think is still a possibility, uh, and, and Michigan certainly is in that category, that those wins only look better. And uh, Rob Mullins, uh, the, the chairman for the selection committee, uh, athletic director of Oregon, he was asked about this uh, during the playoff ranking release show the other night, and he, he put out there that Penn State also has a good quality win against a Pitt team that's won seven games. And there's still a slight chance that Pitt could play for the ACC and maybe sneak into the top 25 at the end of the year. But, you know, I, I think that's another win that's getting some respect from the committee. And, you know, let's not discount this Indiana team either. Indiana has seven wins now. Um, they could easily – uh, pick up a win against Michigan, not easily pick up a win against Michigan, but you know, that's another team that both Ohio state and Penn state have under their belts too. Yeah. That Indiana team is, it could be trouble for Michigan. They've the last four years they've played, they've played Michigan within seven to 10 points, seven to 11 points. I think technically it is. So uh, looking ahead with Ohio state, you probably saw that Shea Patterson comment said, you know, in the back of our minds, we know we've got one big one left. And he said that the week of the Indiana game. So I don't know, Shay. You, you might want to slow down just a little bit. That, that Indiana team is no, no walk in the park. Yeah, I can tell you from firsthand experience, uh, do not take Indiana lightly. And I'm not saying that Penn State took Indiana lightly, but that is a, that's a good team that they've got going right there. Uh, their passing offense is pretty, uh, pretty solid right now. Uh, and like you said, they've given Michigan some troubles the last couple of years. So that's obviously a team that Michigan can't look past. But I, I think I kind of understand, too. I mean – if you're, if you're part of that Michigan program, you know how long it's been since they beat Ohio State. And you know that that's all they talk about, especially when it comes to Jim Harbaugh. Uh, that's a win that he has to get sooner or later, <laughs> I think, if you're him uh, moving forward. Because uh, that's one of the things that's really holding them back from getting to the Big Ten Championship. Not, not, not so much this year, obviously. But, you know, people rip Jim Harbaugh all the time. But you, let's, not remember, let's not forget that he's been one win shy of playing for the Big Ten title in two seasons. And Ohio State was just the team that stood in the way. You know, Kevin, so I'm curious your thoughts more on this game because I saw a colleague on the Ohio State beat point this out, and I mentioned it earlier uh, on my show, Lock on Buckeyes with, with Bill Bender. Ohio State has lost to, to Penn State three times in the last 15 meetings dating back 50 years, okay? Mm-hmm. It was surpri- I was surprised to have learned that those three meetings all involved Ohio State starting a true freshman quarterback. So they have not lost in Columbus to Penn State except for in instances where they had a true freshman. That kind of surprised me just because of how many close calls and battles that these two teams have had. I wouldn't have guessed that. I'm, I'm curious what your, your honest thoughts are about this matchup coming into the weekend. Yeah, you know what? I think uh, from the moment that Penn State joined the, the Big Ten back in 93, uh, going to Ohio State has always been a problem. And there's, like you said, there's only been a small handful of times when it hasn't been a problem. And you know, one of those years was the year where they were both sanctioned. You know, they were both, they were both on the, the postseason ban, I think, that year. So I don't, even know, I don't even know if you can count that one. So I, don't, so I think in the grand scheme of things, I think the, the series has shown that no matter how good Penn State is and you know, they've had their ups and downs let's be honest here but you know even when they're at their best 
Ohio State just seems to be better far more often than not. And that's because they've been much more of a solid program in terms of recruiting and developing talent. Penn State is getting into that into that flow, and maybe they're there now with James Franklin. But it's it's been a rocky it's been a rocky up and hill battle for a number of years over the years since coming into the Big Ten. And Ohio State has just been the team that's been one better than them, or two better than them, or you know fifty something better than them in one case. So I, I just feel like you know certainly the way that Jim Tressel ran the program uh, really took things up to another level for that for Ohio State and then Urban Meyer comes in and the recruiting just increases exponentially it seems and it, they haven't really skipped a beat and I think that's something that Penn State has sorely been lagging behind for a long stretch of time and maybe they're closing the gap a little bit now but it, there's uh, there's years of work that's already been put in at Ohio State that Penn State has been trying to catch up to. One thing I one last thing I want to talk to you about because I did you catch the the comments by Joel Klatt on Colin Cowherd's show a few weeks ago about the the playoff expanding day teams? I did not, but I know that he is always outspoken about his stance on the playoff. But what did he say? Yeah, it was interesting because he he went a step further. I think we've been up operating under the impression that it would expand to eight teams, but interestingly. He said he has sources telling him that it is going to expand to eight and it's going to be sooner than people think. He said he speculated it'll be actually in the next few years. So he, he said that they, they are going to do it and it's going to be uh, sooner than we think, implying in, in the next three or four years. I thought that was interesting. I, as an 18 guy myself, I was really happy to hear that, but I, I was curious your thoughts on that. Well, I am also an 18 playoff guy. I am perfectly fine with the 14 playoff as is if they're not going to change it, but I would I would love to have an 18 playoff and I've always been saying it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when, not if. Uh, if Joel Klatt says it's going to happen bef- sooner than a lot of people think, I've always been under the impression that we're not going to get any changes until the current contract is up. And I forget exactly off the top of my head what year that is right now or how close we are to that. But I've always been under the assumption that if there is going to be a change or when there's going to be a change, that's going to be the time when the renegotiations start popping up for uh, the next contract. So if he says that it's going to be sooner than that, I'm all for it. Uh, I'm fine with it. I, I'm fine. If you want to go to eight teams today, I think you could probably make it work, but obviously that's not going to happen. But yeah, I've, I, the, the sooner we get to an 18 playoff, the better off I think I'll be as a fan. Yeah, same here. The one thing I will say about this year, I prefer eight. I'm happy. I'm okay. I shouldn't say I'm happy. I'm content with four if it never gets to eight, but I do think we're heading to eight. I will say this, this year, Oklahoma is probably on sketchy territory right now. Yeah. But for the most part, all five conferences have a shot at the playoff. And that's the biggest thing that I want is I want everybody to have access to it. I, I don't like going into the last couple of weeks of the year and basically knowing that a conference championship is going to have no impact on the playoff scenarios. Yeah, and I don't know how you envision an 18 playoff, but I've always been saying that if I were setting up the 18 playoff, I'm giving one guaranteed spot to each of the Power Five conference champions, uh, however you want to determine your champion. Each of them gets a spot. I'm going to give a spot to the highest ranked group of five conference champion just to get them in there and shut them up a little bit. And then I'm going to have, I'm still going to have a couple at large bids as well to get some good really good teams in there too. So that's the way I would do it. I, I think that would be the most logical way to do it. Maybe I'm just biased in saying that because I thought of the idea, but and I've been saying this really since the 14 playoff started. So I figured, like I said, you know, expansion is inevitable in any playoff format, no matter the sport. So, you know, you can start at four teams, but you know, at some point down the line, it's going to at least uh, increase to six or 
I, I think six is ridiculous. I think eight is the natural progression here that we're talking about. Yep, I, I totally agree. I'd say eight, give us the five power conferences as automatic bids. Give us a group of five automatic bid and then pick two wild cards out of a hat and let's go. Let's lace it up and, and give us uh, what the people want. Honestly, it would add value to every conference championship game. You know, and, and we all know money is the biggest motivating factor here. So if you can increase the value of those conference championships for every conference, you're, you're talking about a, a no brainer here. This has to be done. It's the easiest way to go about it. Well, this has been a locked on Buckeyes, locked on Nittany Lions collaboration. Kevin McGuire, Kyle Lamb. Kevin, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I appreciate uh, us being able to uh, coordinate this. It, it's, uh, it's been great talking to you, man. Yeah, Kyle, one thing, I would say it's been a Locked on Nittany Lions, Locked on Buckeyes collaboration, <laughs> but, no, but in all seriousness, it was, it was a blast, and hopefully we get a chance to do this again sometime. Maybe we'll do it sometime during the bowl season when we know what all the bowl matchups and stuff like that are. So that'll that'll be, sound, that'll be, that sounds like a lot of fun. Well, oh, Kyle, I will say uh, best of luck to Ohio State this weekend. It should be, uh, should be an interesting afternoon one way or the other, and I'm just looking forward to seeing how it goes, and of course I'll see what you have to say about it as the game progresses. Yes, sir. All right, my thanks to Kyle Lamb from Locked On Buckeyes for setting aside some time so we could organize this little crossover fun episode. Not only did he appear on this podcast, but you can go over to the Locked On Buckeyes podcast and you can hear him asking me some questions about Penn State. So if you want to continue the conversation a little bit more, head on over to the Locked On Buckeyes podcast. He also has a really good interview that he's splitting up with uh, the Sporting News' Bill Bender. I'm a big fan of Bill Bender. I have fun talking to him. Uh, any chance I get a chance to talk to him. Uh, so hopefully maybe we can bring him on our podcast at some point, but I know he's got an interview with Bill Bender. He's going to be using, uh, in today's podcast over there. And I think tomorrow too, I think he's splitting that up into two days. So lots of good stuff from, uh, Bill Bender over on the locked on Buckeyes podcast with host Kyle lamb. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at Kyle lamb eight. That's K Y L A M B eight. And he's also running the Unscripted Ohio Podcast Network. So lots of Ohio State podcasting goodness uh, from Kyle. So we'll talk to him again in the future, I'm sure. Uh, But again, we'll have some fun doing some of these crossover episodes. Don't know if we'll have another crossover episode anytime too soon, but we'll try to work something out in the long run. And that's going to do it for today's episode, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Locked On Nittany Lines podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up tomorrow, it's going to be our Football Friday episode. It's going to be our final thoughts and an official prediction for this Penn State-Ohio State game. I'm just going to tell you right now, you may not like my prediction, but I just got to call it the way I see it, and I think you already get the sense of where I'm going with this game. But we'll talk a little bit more about that game in tomorrow's episode. Round out the week leading up to the big game in Columbus this weekend. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode of this podcast on your favorite podcasting app such as iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, whatever you use to listen to podcasts. Subscribe, rate, review. We appreciate the feedback. We love the fact that people are going out there and spreading the word about this podcast too. So the more feedback and more growth we can get, with you guys being a part of it, the better. And we also want you to be a part of the show. So follow us on Twitter, at Locked on Nittany. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Locked on Nittany. Let us know your thoughts about the show. Let us know what you think about Penn State. What do you think about their chances this weekend? Are you giving them a chance to beat Ohio State? Let us know on Twitter and on Facebook, and we'll get to your questions in tomorrow's episode as well. So if you have any questions about this game, now's the time to get them in. So fire away on Twitter. Send those messages in on Facebook. And we'll try to include your questions in tomorrow's episode to round out the week. 
I'm Kevin McGuire. You can give me a follow on Twitter at KevinOnCFB, contributor to Athlon Sports and NBCSports.com's College Football Talk. I do have a post up on Athlon Sports about five ways that Penn State will win this game. We'll talk a little bit more about that in tomorrow's episode, but if you want to check that out, it is now live on AthlonSports.com. Until tomorrow, guys, have a great Thursday. Come back. We'll do it all again tomorrow. Until then, I'll talk to you later.